Hello and welcome into the Sorry Data Football Strategy Show. I am Andrew Laird. You can find me as Lairdino on SoRare. Joined once again by Sean Musham, PSU fans too, today to talk about some cat modes, of which I was just saying to Sean, boy, are we going to have quite a show as the two of us sweat a sporting CP clean sheet. Sean's uh, upside a bit higher than mine, but we both need it. And you were like, I can't believe you scheduled the show during the sporting game. And I was telling you that I think the absolute worst thing about SoRare is having to sweat a clean sheet. And so I was happily avoiding it with this show. Oh, I mean, it's terrible. But like, I mean, I'm not, I would never have watched that game. Like, would not have. Actually, I had a chance that I would have watched that game because my all-star rare, super rare line. Did you see, did you see Quinny's tweet yesterday about Callum McGregor not getting a goal line clearance? No. You need to go watch. You need to pull that up and watch that while I talk here real quick, because that's going to be part of this conversation. So anyways, my all-star super rare lineup had like a decent score because I had a clean sheet from a goalie and then like a okay game by McGregor. And then I saw this Quinny tweet and I was like, holy shit, that's embarrassing. And you're going to say the same thing once you're done. But then I had Oshiman yesterday and Oshiman had a penalty kick and missed the net, sadly. And he had another big chance miss. But if he doesn't miss it, I would have had like a pretty day. If he didn't miss it and I got the McGregor goal line clearance, I'm on like 400 with Coates and Gonzalez still to play. And those are like the two guys that I'm fading. Yeah, so it would have been a very nice head where like if they smash their brains out, which they currently need, then uh, then I would have got there. Um, so yeah, did you did you see? Yes, this is that is not a goal line clearance, Larry. Oh, wait, hold on. So we'll, we'll watch oh, this real quick. This is not a goal line clearance for those that are are wondering. Um, so this is how bad the Scottish Premier League, that isn't a goal line clearance. And sure as shit looks like that's going into me, <laughs> but I, I mean, like it goes off the guy in yellow, like it goes off him and it was definitely going in the net. Like it kick, he kicks it. That's going in the net. Like, is it possible that they didn't give it to him because his heart behind him? No, not really. No, no he's in front. No. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, that's that's terrible. So I don't care as much because Oshman has a twenty, and like you don't just get out of a twenty. Um, yeah, it's it was. I saw this tweet by by Quinny yesterday, and I was like, Jesus, that's terrible. Even for Opta, that's terrible. But uh, we we've seen. I was some- just about to say for Opta, that's pretty bad too. Yeah, so. we've seen some we've seen some bad shit before. But yeah, I was seeing that one. I was like, holy shit. But yeah. Mm. So anyways, you have us on. This is just going to be dark when Sporting can see. But I never would. I, if it was like if I was on 400 and I had Coates and Gonzalez, I probably would have watched the game. But now, no shot, I would have watched the game. But I'm going to have it up, and I need to fade a Gonzalez 100, which is definitely possible here. This is a really favorable matchup for him, um, and I like what he's. I like the role he's in this year, even though he hasn't been that productive in it thus far. But I, I like the role he's been in. So, anyways, I'm sure there'll be some darkness in this episode that everyone will. Uh, will be able to watch from me See, honestly if it, if it wasn't for you giving me an update during the show i wouldn't even know like i would be able to do this entire show and have no i'm like no sweat at all because i'm you just like one oh, monitor, don't you laird no no i i could have it up if i wanted to oh i'm just choosing like i, I mean, said sweating the so josh was asking if sweating a clean sheet is worse than buying a super rare goalie i'm literally sweating a super rare goalie clean sheet it's I won't game. watch. Yeah, I, I don't sweat goalie clean sheets. If I I try to avoid. It. I mean, you can't not look at it though. You can't not see. It. But I'm not like I. I have watched Haber watch a game 
where the only player he has is his goalie. Yeah, that's that is insane. I literally called him a psychopath for that. Like you if you watch a game with your goalie needing a clean if you watch a game where your goalie is the only player in it, you're a lunatic. Sean, would you rather watch a game where your goalie is the only guy in the game and you need the clean sheet or would you rather go outside? Go outside. Like I will go touch grass for a little bit. Well, I'm not watching a game with my goalie in it. I mean, can I, all right, all right, let me ask this question. Can I take a nap while the game is on? Can I just nap? Outside? No, well, no, inside while the game's on. No. Yeah. You got to watch it like with your eyes no, like that. No, no, watching your goalie, that's a that's a hard pass. Okay, fair enough. Javon Spore was up 3-0 in this game in the 71st minute, and they're, now, they're up 2-0, and they're not losing. That was a, not, not a great look for Trevon Spore today. Yikes. But yes, I think Nanzo is the only one that can catch me. And I think, well, I think there's two people that can catch me. The other guy needs like a hundreds from both Coates and Adon. And like I said, if Adon gets a hundred, I'll live with it, right? Like if Adon gets a hundred, I can, I can take my second place while I move on to the podium. And then I'll come for Zarki Poo's butt in the rare pro month long. I'm, I would happily take a hundred from Coates. So yeah, sign me up for that as well. The only way that person can catch me is if a Dawn also has like 90 plus. And if a Dawn has 90 plus, I'm I'm content. Yeah, I'm I'm comfortable with both of them getting hundred personally, but I appreciate I mean, that you don't you don't need that. Yeah, ask. I mean I would rather Gonzalez get like not a hundred. Like I would take a, what I will take today is like a ninety-five from Gonzalez, a like ninety from Coates, and like a ninety from a Dawn. I think we can all get behind that. Yeah, I mean they're going to concede, so it doesn't even matter. They're going to um, concede. Like, like <laughs> there's two options though from a concession standpoint. Either I, it's going to happen in the next like t- ten minutes after the game starts, and like the first, like it'll happen like two minutes into the game, or it's going to happen in the 98th minute. Those are like those are two options we're looking at. Do you know how it's going to happen? Because I do. Some dumbass defensive play by someone. Coates is going to concede a penalty. Oh, and then you have the sweat of the penalty that he makes it makes it save. You're like you're sitting pretty, and then yeah, definitely possible, Laird. Simple I buy it. Anyway, go sporting, yay! So Ramalta said, "I sweated the ten minutes of added time for the Millwall clean sheet this weekend. Crazy. It's painful. That sounds just absolutely awful. Crazy. <laughs> I saw. It. I, I was watching. I was watching the twenty game yesterday because I had understall and proper. I would not have been watching it if I did not have proper." And they just concede out of nowhere. Like, Walwick hadn't touched the ball for, like, 30 minutes, and they concede. And I'm just like – because I'd be on, like – I would literally – no one could have caught me by, like – I would have won by, like, 80 points for sure. And they concede at the death. And I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. Wasn't fun. Yeah. It's it's the worst. The worst. Uh, Anyway, I want to talk about cat modes today because there have been a few different people, some of whom we each know, that are like, hey, I'd like to get into to 240. I want to build like a rare 240 team. And I we've done like that before. I don't really want to go through like specific players and all of that stuff of like, here's you should buy today, even though I think some people will absolutely ask us for players. And what do you think of this guy and all that? But I think, so I was mentioning to someone that I wanted you to go into this with the with the ability to pretend like cap 240 is the best mode meaning like that's where you get the best prizes and obviously the way that they've done all-star with the month-long competitions all-star will always be the best but 
if they were like, hey, our next best prizes are in cap 240 and then cap 270, I don't even want to pretend like they'll make cap 220 realistic because it's just the prizes there are so bad. But what for those who are either like in limited now and want to go to rare or are in limited and rare and want to go to super rare and it feels like the progression, like when you move up a level in terms of scarcity, is to go to cap 240 first. First off, do you agree with that? And second off, oh, let's start with that. Do you think that focusing on cap 240 when you move up a scarcity level makes sense? No. And so what do you think you should focus on? Everything else. And why is that? Because you had the cap 240s are just pretty shit. Okay, so... But you're saying like focus on everything else. People who are going from like limited to rares aren't going to buy like 80 rares to play everything. So like if they don't, if cap 240 is not where you go first, where do you go first? All-star rare. Even though we've decided that's going to continue to be the most competitive because of the no, way that I, the monthly competition. I disagree. I think cap mode is probably the most competitive. Are you saying that because well, there are more lineups in it? Here's the thing. If you go into All-Star and you are preparing for All-Star and you're working your way that way, you have lots of different paths you can go down. If you go down the 240 path, you have one specific path that you have to stay in that lane and you can't do anything differently. So by going down, like, they both suck. You're like, do you drive off a, a cliff or drive into a, a river? And it's like, all right, I'm going to drive into a river because at least in that situation, I'm not going to die and I can like swim out of it or something. So like, you're just given two shit options and saying like, which one do you want to do? And I'm saying they're both pretty shit. I mean, if you that's the I'm case, pretty... then why should anybody go from rare to super rare or limited to rare? You should. You just need to have a better game plan than that. I think maybe going the best way to the best way to approach cat modes is to have excess cards. Would you agree? Is to have excess cards? Yeah, have a lot of cards. Sure. The best way to have a lot of cards is by working your way progressively towards that. By working towards a all-star. Again, like if you start with all-star, you can then have some players from Asia, some players from um, Europe, some players from America. You can do a mixes. And then from there, you can branch out and you can build out your America. You can build out your Europe. You can build out your Asia. Whereas if you go to cap mode 240, you have to only have like guys that are not very good in the global sense. Whereas like you still, in order to actually compete in the cap modes, you have to have good cards. I'm, I'm convinced in order to compete there, you have to have good cards that are like coming back on zeros or like very under underpriced in terms of like what their cost is in terms of like what you can get. And you need to have guys that are actually higher end cards with them. But so the best way, in my opinion, to like branch out is by building out your all-star rare because it gives you lots of different paths you can go down, whereas you're more restricted in Cat 240. I feel like that assumes a huge budget and most people aren't doing, like aren't coming in, going from one scarcity to another and saying like, oh, I have a $500 gallery in limiteds. I'm going to go to rare. Let me spend five grand. Like, I don't think that's, a, a realistic progression point. And so I think the, like really the question is why wouldn't going into cap 240 be better than all-star if as like Josh pointed out, people have been hammering all, all-star since the monthlies, no. like you're choosing to go into the hardest 
competition for the top end prizes. So Ben and Rico man brought up a point. It, it's probably true to be fair. I'm probably discrediting this. The threshold is the most important thing. You just don't give a shit about anything but the threshold. Like if you just go into cap 240 and you just pretend you're just trying to hit a threshold and that's the only thing you give a shit about, that's probably the best approach, I guess. You just, it's so difficult to actually perform well. So I think, I think maybe in that sense, they are, the, Rico Man and Ben have persuaded me. And I now think that you should go into cap 240. It just is such a, I don't, people just don't understand the path that if you go down that, you still need a lot of cards. Like you just can't have five cards and just run them every week. Like you need to have like 10 to 15 cards and, and move them in. Jerm was asking if 240 is the cliff or the river. It's I would changed. assume that this is the cliff. No, it's changed. Now if cap 240 is the river and uh, all-star is the cliff. Yeah. So I guess the way that I was looking at it is I don't see a situation where all-star doesn't stay as the most competitive competition. Like the month-long yeah. competition. I feel like the month-long ensures that everyone who has good cards plays them in all-star as much as they can. And if that's the case, why would that be the the region that you go to if you're moving up from rare to super rare? Well, the thing is cap 240, everyone has a cap at 240. So everyone is on an even playing field. Mm -hmm. So like, that's the difference. Like it's not about the competitive. I think cap 240 is, is more competitive because people are trying to you've seen the lineups that people are putting in the cap 240 modes. Like they're the best lineups people can run like that. And all-star the best competitions where people are putting like a lot of their best cards. I think um, they're the most, would you agree? Those two are the most competitive spots. Um, they certainly are in terms of, of number of lineups. Yeah. But I'm not sure that the, like, I don't think that people are saying, are people who can compete to win all star rare are then doing cap 240. I'll put it that way. Like, I think in order to, to win a star, it's still going to be harder in champion Europe, maybe even challenger, than it is in cap 240. I don't know. It's really difficult in cap 240 right now, I think. Well, so. Narky Sharky asked, does it kind of depend on if you want to win cards or ETH? If you want to build your gallery and win cards, stack up on great value challenger or second division teams if you want ETH, play 240. Well, the thing is, Liz, like, you should never be playing anything but Asian America. Maybe second division, but you should be playing Asian America, not challenger. Definitely not challenger. Um, but the goal, in theory, in theory, is to win whatever the most valuable thing is. And like people have said, the rare threshold is currently worth more than most tier fours and tier fives. Right. I'd rather have a rare threshold than scrape a shitty card at the bottom end of a, of a prize pool. Um, also, like the thing is, is like on a given week, the threshold doesn't change. To get the threshold, you need what is it now? 280 points. Is that what the new ridiculous shit is? All yep. right. So you need 280. So every single game week, you need 280. If you're trying to get a tier five or something, that number changes. Like one week, it might be 270. One week, it might be 320. Next week, it might be 300. It's a constant move that you don't control at all. Whereas the threshold, you control 100%. You know exactly what it is. You know it's 280. You know your goal is to go, whoa, look at you switching camera angles. How did that happen, Laird? Certainly not on purpose. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so the goal is to get to... Um, 
the threshold. And that's what the goal is. Well, like, I think definitely what you're trying to do is you're trying to hit the threshold. So like, I do think that that makes sense from the perspective of putting it together. What do you think, Laird? I just, I didn't see a path where all-star was the best place to go if you're moving scarcities. I mean, like if you're moving up, if you're progressing, the the, the threshold payments, like I said, yeah, are worth way more than the bottom tier cards that you're likely to, you know, that you're, I was going to say that you're likely to win, that you are unlikely to win, but if you do kind of hit the nuts, then you can win it. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm struggling to see why, 240 wouldn't always be the first one that you should go to if you're moving, if you're progressing up. Yeah, I think that's fine. I, I said I've rescinded my original take on it. Okay. That. And and so if that's the case, what do you do? Meaning you've been playing limiteds for a while and now you're like, all right, let me build a cap 240 team. Or I've been playing rares for a while. Let me build cap uh, uh, super rare team. What are, what are like the first considerations that you think of when you do that? I mean, I think you just start buying not shitty players, but like you're trying to get guys in like the 40 to 50 point range that play every game for the number one, most important thing is we've talked about numerous times. It's play every game, right? Would you agree that's the number one most important thing? That it's what? That you play every game. You start. Every yeah. Game. yeah. 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 Starting every game. Number one, most important thing from there. You just want to have a plethora of people and options because the thing is, is like, I, I think that the, the answer to this is that, you shouldn't be just working on a cap 240. You should also get to the point where you're doing a cap 240 and cap 220 because cap 220, you can run a limited goalie. So the idea here is you should be buying players between like the 40 to 55 point range that start every game, preferably volatile guys that are like fullbacks that maybe will smash some games because they have a good matchup. Uh, but that's if you really want to have a, a, a big advantage. Also, I think there's benefit from buying guys that are out that you know are going to come back that are going to be playing that are going to be worthwhile. So if you can get guys that have a zero L15, like that is a huge benefit, but you don't need to worry about that at the beginning because eventually in order to like realistically utilize that properly, you need to have like a 60 plus average player, which to be fair, you can buy some 60 plus average players for not that expensive. There's yeah. like defenders that are relatively cheap that you can buy for that price. Um, so I think Magnus says you should buy Kai, Kai Havertz. Absolutely not. I mean, he just... Did you sell yours? Yeah. Oh, I you think did? I had it sold by within 12 hours of winning it. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, you should be telling everyone to buy it. But yeah. congrats on your but, um, So I think that the goal should be, you should be having like a cap 240. You should be buying guys between like the 40 to 55 point range that play, start every game. And you can sort of look at it and try to find more volatile options within that. Um and go from that way. So I've got two, two points or two questions that I want to go down. But the first one, when do you buy the goalie? Because I think most people, I, obviously, I think the solution, the correct answer is like, you should have two goalies, but that really pushes your price immediately. So do you buy the goalie and then fit everyone else around it? Or do you buy your outfield players and be like, oh, I need a goalie now with an L15 of 45 or below. And granted, those guys usually are cheaper because they suck. But is it better to start with the goalie or get your outfield players and then try to find a goalie that fits? I mean, I think the answer is you start with two 
it's going to be different than I think the answer is that you start with cap 220 and you work your way into cap 240. Because you can start buying the players and still run cap 220 until you can buy the goalie. So the answer, I guess, is that you buy the players and then the goalie. So the only reason why I think 220 is not the right answer is because there's you you have to be almost perfect to get something that even helps you move forward. That in 240, if you get your goalie right away, you can start making I mean, making cash or ETH from your thresholds. And 220, you have to win so many cards for those cards to then turn into something you need. Here's the thing, and you're probably going to bitch at me for this and say that I my goal is just to spend more money, yada, yada, yada. Goalie's not even that expensive anymore. You can find a starting no-doubt goalie for cheap as shit. I'm not going to completely disagree with you. Oh, wow. That's surprising. I figured you were like for sure going to absolutely disagree with me. Like, they are definitely cheaper. I don't want to say that they're, well. Okay. I know. They are I definitely cheaper to the point where they're, you don't have to spend like five grand to build a 240 team. And so you have opportunities. Like I'm looking here. I have and MLS cards. is a little tough because the end of the season, like Stephen Fry is one hundred and seventy three dollars. Yeah, he's two hundred. Like I'm not even I, I'm not even trying to be like like mean here. Like if you can't buy a rare goalie right now, you probably shouldn't be moving up. Would you agree with that? I think you're right. Like I just like I I literally can find goalies for one hundred fifty dollars. Like not don't have much utility. Shit. Like, yeah, obviously right now they're in American Asia, but so maybe what you do is you build with the plans that you're going to start this in the spring and that's when you're you're starting cap 240 rare. And again, if you're playing cap 240, you should like you should be buying American and Asian players. This is the point too with it is like if you're playing those competitions, you're looking at like second division Europe and you're looking at Asian America. Like that's just where you're looking at. But like, I did, like I just pulled off the top of my head, like Matsumoto for Ray Soul in the J league is like 0. 0.1, 0. 0.106. And he started the last like 30 games. Mm -hmm. Like I think you just don't need to spend them. Like, is he good? No, he sucks. His scores blow, but you're not trying to buy someone that's good. So I was going to say that it, it's a little, it feels late in the season for America and Asia. Sure. But but you really don't need that many thresholds to hit in order to turn that into a European goalie. Like I, it's it's really not, there, there are enough games left. And if you happen to go to like Liga MX or Argentina or Brazil instead of like MLS, there are guys and they'll be a little more expensive, but like Franco Armani here, $295 floor. Like that's pretty cheap. And that's, there's plenty of games left where you'll be able to, you could potentially win, get, win a few thresholds and then use that, that base and Armani to turn it into a European goalie that you can keep playing. Like, I agree with you that goalies aren't, goalies yeah. really shouldn't be the, the bottleneck that they use, or they aren't the bottleneck that they used to be. Correct. Yeah. I just don't think that it's as, difficult as it used to be like i just think and there and there's guys you can buy that are plenty safe enough so yeah obviously they're older like a lot of these guys are older but like you can buy guys on this group that is 
there are plenty safe enough options for you to buy, right? So it's not, it, it's just, it's a very feasible path for people to go down. Like I just, if you can't buy a rare keeper right now, you shouldn't be moving up. Someone asked, Rico Man says 5K is enough for Super or 240. What's the cheapest Super or goalie we could realistically get right now? I'm assuming it's like a half an E. Um, let's see here. Also, Magnus just brought up a good point. I think that this is actually a valid thought, Laird. He says, find an injury-prone goalie and buy the backup and hope for the best. So what I'm going to say about this is I actually think there is merit to like spending, let's say, 0.15 E on like backup goalies that are going to be for sure the backup. Like you have to buy the backup goalie. Yeah. But then as soon as one becomes a starter or gets a start, you have two options. Right? Bijlow's not to play. Bijlow's still really expensive. Like no, wouldn't it be early season buying well in Ruther? Yeah, 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 yeah. Buying well in Ruther. But like, I'll give the example of someone like, how much was the backup for Milan's goalie? Was that Sport Yellow? Yeah, so Sport Yellow. Like, let's see how much Sport Yellow was. And I'm just using an example because I just know it happened recently. Um, well, I guess he's difficult because he's. He's difficult because you can only buy them in uh, bundles. But he was 0.06, right? As soon as he started, because Mignon got injured, he was up to 0.2. At one point, he was up to 0.2. Huge return. So you have two options. Like You could buy like five backup-level goalies that are going to be the backup, preferably younger guys that are not like ancient, where if they get some starts, they're going to be solid. And then from there, you can sit there, and if one of them gets a start, you can sell, like yeah. if you can sell, like you could have sold Sport Yellow for 0.2, then effectively bought a goalie for free. Or what you do, yeah, like so Tatarana would have been a good example. Pepperan, like those type of guys would have been good examples in the past. Uh, sporting is up one nothing thus far, Larry. Uh, so, anyways, you could buy those type of guys and then you can run them. So, if you want, you can run them or you can sell them and then buy another goalie. I typically, if like it's a guy that's sport yellow, I'd recommend buying him. But like, I don't even think you have to do this in champion Europe. I think there's lots of better places to buy this and do something like this because um, it's going to happen. But like, uh, there's definitely teams out there where you know who the backup goalie is and you can buy some backup goalies. Bobby said, sadly, Courtois is not dropping to 350 in rare. I, Courtois is certainly not the one who's going to be dropping anytime Correct. soon. So anyways, but like there's ways to do that that you can like, and then while you're waiting, you can start buying positional players. Then all of a sudden, if a goalie gets a, a start, you can speed up the process and go, uh, Josh Forth, how did doing that with pass fear go? Did, how did you sell on that pass fear super? Oof. Oof. Poor Joshua. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. But like, I mean, that's that's a good example. Like you could go right now, and I'm not saying to go do this. This is not financial advice, but like is Teton still the backup for 20? Yes, I think you so. could go buy Teton for 0.01 right now. If well or if if Unterstall misses any games, all of a sudden you have a starting goalie for a little bit of time. And like this is a guy that last year when Unterstall got hurt, he went up to like 0.05. You just 5X it. Or maybe you get a couple games. You did get good gaming yield. 
I'm glad you uh, brought up Teton as I sit on his super rare here. Yeah, but like even then, like you get one star from him, you price off for like 200 bucks. Because the thing is, too, is like, right? If you got a super rare of him, if he gets a start, you have a cheat code for one week in that that someone might buy. Like someone might buy. Someone just brought up Sean Johnson. I think that's a really good option. Like you could probably go buy Sean Johnson for 0.125 right now. Like the guy's locked in goalie when he's back. Like he's going to be the starter. Um, Scosman just said Craig Gordon's due to come back. He's old, but he's cheap. Last sale is 76 76 euros. Um, so yeah, I just, there's, if you cannot afford. You think have a double leg break? Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's goalies. I don't pay attention to him. But like, he's old. Like I, just for clarity, I wouldn't go buy him. He's too old for me. Like I wouldn't do that. Like even if he comes back and starts, it's just not going to do anything. But Keep saying don't buy anyone in Toronto. Yeah, Toronto does suck. But anyways, what I'm trying to get at, though, is like if you can't buy a rare goalie at this point, it makes it difficult. And what was the cheapest super starting goalie we found that you could realistically somebody buy? Said, uh, somebody said one sold the other day for like 0.5. Yeah, so like you it's can buy – if you you could realistically get through in like for probably like $3,000 in cap 240 super rare. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good one too. Like, who's not old, right? Like, is he locked in? I have no idea. I don't pay attention to this shit. It's a Premier League. I don't know who follows a Premier League. Yeah, so he started. Yeah, so it looks like he's pretty locked in, right? Looks it. Yeah, so like Premier League goalie that's not old. He's not old. And he's 0.5. Like, you could definitely, you probably can find cheaper than that, but I don't know where. But so, like, call it 0.5. If 0.5 is the floor, you could definitely get to a, a cap 240 super or lineup for like, let's say two ETH. Like you could definitely make it happen for like two ETH, which is like three grand and buy out some options. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think that's a, I don't think that number is, is a, also, yeah. Just to be clear about the no financial advice situation right now, I'm, we're just giving you guys names without looking at them and whether or not they're going to start long-term or anything. So do not just go run out and buy these dudes and be like, Oh shit, I bought this dude and he's not going to start. What did you do to me? We're just mm -hmm. giving names. Like there's ways for you guys to find cheap goalies that like can get some starts that are pretty reasonable. Yeah, I think the the process of finding the goalie to buy is significantly different than the process of buying the outfield player. Yes. Like the you'll be able to find there are plenty of outfield players yes. that average scores all over the place that are either cheap or expensive and goalie is one of those where I feel like Obviously, you'll find some that have L15s of 45 and basically score like 45 all the time. Sure. But the, I think just the process of finding the goalie may take just as long as finding all of the outfield players combined. You just need, yeah, as Josh Forth said, they just need to play. Like you just need someone who is going to play as long as they're fit and then you can work your way from there. That's why I'm, I was curious where you thought like the goalie fit in because. I'll put it this way also. It's always easy to get an, a, a different outfield player. Like you can always turn an outfield player into another outfield player. And if you have a goalie, it's just not as easy to just be like, oh yeah, I'll just sell this guy and get another one. Because while goalies tend to be pretty liquid, you, you know, you don't want to be moving in and out of goalies based off of L15 scores, whether they fit or not. Like that's yeah. the worst. Yeah. That's the worst like, place to find yourself. Honestly, you'd rather have a pretty shitty stable goalie that just sort of sucks. 
that like just will start and pro like you kind of want like a Langerak without the clean sheets. Like you want a guy that's just not really gonna have great AA that's just gonna concede and get you like between like 35 and 40. Because you yeah, want it to be pretty stable so you don't have to worry about the rest of your shit. You do, right. Yeah. You can like I said, it's much easier moving in and out of outfield players than it is. Uh, goalies. Pablo said, how many points need for SR240 now? It's still 280, just like rare. Do you think um, Bobby said, so for outfield players, how much is a lot for a cap 240? Because as most people, I play scrubs in there. Um, I don't know what that means. Actually, just Yeah, I mean, I don't, you can buy guys that fit cap 240 for cheap like I, I i am imagining you could buy like the full outfield set for like 0.15 probably like maybe cheaper i don't know like what's i don't want to get like you said we don't really want to go through names of people but like i can't imagine how this is, would be like difficult to to find guys that are that are playable pieces in the like 0.02 range there's they're no probably, way there's not playable pieces for like 0.02, right? Let's let's find out. Like I'm just yeah, it's it's difficult because I I'm just going to use the pick scores and see. I mean, obviously, pick scores are ga- are very game week dependent, but it at least gives you an idea of players of and how much they are. Like. What is 154 dollars? So 150 for Iago Aspas, who's actually been smashing him. We were talking about it on the preview show. His L15 is like really trailing, but he's been excellent this season. But I feel like you could just go through this list and just find the cheapest ones. Yeah, like there's whoever this like, guy is, Ugo Bonet. I would guess his name is. Yeah, he's how much? Like 15 bucks. He is a striker. He is, uh, yeah, not even. 1323 yeah. is his average. I, mean, I don't know why I didn't play. It's so, like you obviously got to do more research than what we're trying to do right now. But like, yes, I can assure there's, you. There's options to go find guys that are like not very good. You need higher than that. Like you need the 40 to 50 range. Yeah. So Ramal said you need four outfielders for under 0.1 easily. Yeah. So like maybe you need a little bit. Like I thought you typically need to buy a little bit more um, options. So Kev Hurd said Kelly Roos is 0.26. You can go significantly cheaper from 0.26. That's the point with things. Um, also, though, like, and you're saying midweeks, and I do understand what you're saying with midweeks. The issue is, is that, like, if you're just starting, you're most likely not going to have guys to get midweeks. Yeah, getting five guys who play midweek as well. Like, yeah, the goal like is great, but it's nothing. It doesn't help you if you don't have any forwards who play midweek. Correct. So, like, that. maybe you can figure out a way to get midweek utility, and then someone like Kelly Roos becomes a bit more valid. Because, obviously, if you can run out midweek stuff, it, it makes a bit more sense, right? For sure. Germ saying – and, and so a bunch of people mentioned this, so I want to bring it up, too. Germ said that the Hatafe stack is very cheap and will get the job done. Definitely does make sense from a collection bonus standpoint. Like, if you can run a, a stack or at least have, like, an idea of a stack that can work, um, it, it can really help because the bigger your collection bonuses are, the bigger of an edge you get in those competitions as well. That is – I did want to bring that up because I was curious what, what you thought about that in terms of instead of instead of buying, like, a whole lot of players that come from different leagues and whatnot – literally just buying them all from the same team 
You get your collection bonus. You theoretically always have five guys who are going to start. Is that a reasonable, a reasonably lower risk strategy, or do you actually consider that higher risk? Having all guys on the same team? Yeah. I mean, it's at least nice that at least when they play, they play, right? Like, right. so having them all in. Realistically, the idea here is that you're going to need to have more than five players. That's always going to be the realistic need. So having a stack is good. I'm not saying having a stack is not good because it's definitely positive. And having guys that play the same weeks are better. But what you're eventually going to want to do is you're going to want to have like 10 to 15 guys that you can rotate. Because like it's all going to be about rotation. Hitting it's going to be hard, especially if you got like some shittier players. Like it's going to be difficult. So you need to be able to rotate guys in. Uh, hey, because like most likely the guys that you're buying, most of them are going to be on shittier teams. Like you're not buying guys on Bayern Munich, right? Like that's just not who you're buying. You're buying guys on like Burnley and you're hoping Burnley plays Luton Town and you can get a good amount of stuff out of that. Yeah. So like, I don't, I wasn't even talking about, I mean, the stacking comes out of a, collection but what if i mean like buying 15 guys from the same team like building a 15 player collection oh. so that you know you have five guys every game week and obviously so, they they're going to have game weeks where you know if it's a some random bundesliga team like they're going to be up against Bayern one game week and getting 280 from five guys may be really tough but in that situation like theoretically you always have five starters you just have to make sure you get them right so i think the key here is that if you know a team well, if you are very confident in a team and you're able to predict their 11 very consistently, whatever that team is, and you can do it, then I think it makes sense. Okay. Because like, if you, if you always know you're going to get five starts, like if you know you're going to get five starts and you're up at 240 and you're hitting the cap the 240, anytime that it's a slightly favorable matchup, you should hit it. Right. So in theory, you should be fine. Yeah, Yohanatim was asking if uh, Mathis Tell is an exception to the you have to start rule because he has five decisives in his last six games all as a sub. He's a guy on a dominant team that comes in and scores. Like, that's nothing. There's nothing like to that. Like, no. Like, if I own Tell in my gallery right now, I would play him in zero lineups every Okay. All right. I wasn't sure where you were going with that, but like, no. that is the point. Like, you. Like, you Tell cannot scored, depend on that. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Tell, Tell plays like three minutes, scores, puts up 64. He's he's scored in his last five games. He's put up literally 5A every single game. And he has 67, 30, 67, 66, 64, 64. That would be in none of my lives ever. And I think that should be in – I don't think that would be in any of anyone's lives ever. Like what line would you ever make where the, you're putting him in the lineup? Cap 220? <laughs> just maybe to get XP firm in the long term. But no, he's not the exception. He's just a dude that's on a dominant team that comes in and has scored well. Because I'll tell you what, before that, he didn't really do that. It's hard to average the size of a game when you play five minutes. Doesn't matter how good of a team you're on. That's what I'm saying. Like in three of these five games where he had a decisive, he played less than 10 minutes. Germ said a throwaway line. The thing is, Germ, is I don't think I would have a throwaway line that's that bad that would ever have him in. I would probably have to be able to make like 75 lineups in a week to be able to like actually put him in. I like this from Scosmo. If yeah, you can afford Tell, you don't have to worry about this conversation. If you have Tell in your gallery, it doesn't matter. You're never playing Tell. 
If you have tell in your gallery and you're actually putting him in lineups, you should not have tell in your gallery. Very, very good point by Scosmo. Let's see how many people played him. U23 if you don't have a forward. I don't think you should own tell if if you if you play U23. Ooh, Laird, he should not a, have been your forward. I have a random side question for you to see if you know this. Did you know that they added you have to click a checkbox to say, I acknowledge that this action will delete a lineup if you sell this card? Yes. Did you? Okay. When did that go in? Like four months ago. <laughs> no, no, no. They actually added a checkbox. You have to click a checkbox. Yeah, I think it's been around for a while. No. It hasn't been around that long. I think it has. I mean, I don't know how long it's been around because I haven't done this, but I'm right. selling a card right now that's in a lineup. Gotcha. So four, four uh, rare cards of Tell were played in U23 rare in this current game week where he did score. And two rares in U23 rare pro. And in limited, how many do you think? 10? 20? 34. 34 lineups with Tell. my response did you see mine and chani's argument yesterday i think I, I pissed chani off this weekend keith said that's been around for a while talking for someone who cancels a lot of lineups no but like you actually have to, it's been a keith it's been around for a while we actually have to check the box that says i'm okay deleting this lineup instead of just like because in the past it said i you if you do this you delete the lineup but then you just accept on the offer and it deletes it whereas now you actually have to hit a check box well I mean, I don't do that often, so I guess that makes sense. All right, so did you see did you see Chani and, and I's argument yesterday? So I did, and... I know you agree with me on it. Uh, I had no... I thought the two players that you guys were arguing about were bad examples. Like, it felt like they're too... So to provide everyone the background, it was basically it came down to who would you rather... Frimpong or Grimaldo. And it felt like Chani was focusing on decisives and you were fo focusing on all around scores and you'll always take all around. So no, I, it, no, it would, no, no, no. First of all, Chani, I love you. Don't be mad at me. Um, second of all, he was not arguing decisives. He was arguing decisives from open play. Well, that, I mean, doesn't that apply for both of them anyway? What do you mean? Like, not, neither of them are getting set-piece decisives anyway, so... Romaldo is. Is he taking penalties? He takes sets. Two-nothing sporting. Um, I didn't think he took sets really much at all. He, he can take some sets. I mean, he definitely took a set the other day. Um... Okay. I, I, I had the game on, so I know he took a set somewhere at some point. Yeah, I, did, I, I don't really care. He scored that, he scored that nice free kick goal, Laird. He scores um, and he takes like a good chunk of the corners. No, Hoffman still takes mo more. Most. Uh, Grimaldo takes a chunk. Grimaldo takes like a third and then some sets. Okay. But Either anyways, way. Anyways, Chani was arguing that Frimpong will score yeah it was, and that's why i had it on it was a very nice it was a very nice goal it was a nice step goal his argument was that that frimpong score will get more decisive from open play 
My argument was I don't give a shit. Yeah, you don't care. I want guys. I, I The argument for me is always going to be I want the guy that will score the most SFI points. Literally every time. Every single time. And I don't – and Shawnee did not – was not happy about it. I think I think my one comment upset him where I said I would have to check his brain. So Chani, I actually I don't apologize. I mean I would say that to you anyways, but I apologize that you were mad at me. So the I tell that to everyone. Right. So your expectation is that he'll always have some sort of set pieces that Verts won't end up taking some No, my expectation is that Grimaldo's better in literally every single way than Trimpon. So if you no, but I'm saying if Grimaldo lost set pieces, you still like him more than Frimpong. Yeah. Okay. So like the the yeah. argument you guys were having, the whole like he was only looking at open play, like doesn't even matter. Well, I know he was even he in was that like, situation. You're taking Grimaldo. I mean, the overall, the overall idea was that he said I would prefer to take Frimpong, and I said you're drunk, and then I was a little bit less nice and told him he was a moron, effectively, and not so many words, and I think he was upset with me. Tony, I love you. Heart, heart, heart emoji. Heart. So what are we talking? What? Why are we talking about it? What's the best heart emoji? That's yeah, probably this, right? Heart, Chani. Um, no, where Chani, Chani was like, I would prefer Frimpong, and I basically was like, Are you out of your fucking mind? Which I think was a fair question. Would you agree? I'm just wondering why we're talking. Like, what is there to talk about? I forget the segue. This was like 10 minutes ago and sporting scored. So I got sidetracked and I had to make a sale. There's a lot, lots has happened in the last 10 minutes there. I, I don't know where, what the sidetrack was. My sidetrack was that I love Chani. Okay. Yeah. Um, are there any situations, this did remind me of something because um, one of our mutual friends brought, brought this up to me. Other than Harry Kane, are there any players that you consider as reliable SO5 players that are decisive dependent? Like you play Harry Kane, despite us talking about how he just needs to score his hundred goals and assists, which it looks like he's going to get. He could do that. So I two questions, this two questions, fully decisive dependent. We're like, we are not expecting AA from them at all. I mean, and then also, like, are we saying, like, as a D2 card, or are we saying as, like, a playable piece in a, in a rare pro lineup? We can talk about both. Well, because I think it's a different... If you're going to get me, like, 70, you're a playable piece in D2, right? Ben Johnson brought up Bruno Petkovic. Like, would you play Petkovic? Would you ever play him in, in rare pro? Would I ever play Petkovic in rare pro? Let me go see. I don't know him, so I'm not familiar with his stat oh. line. No. Unless they're like a f- massive favorite, no. Like, I can't imagine I would ever play him in a rare pro lineup unless they were just a monster favorite. And so, other than King, are there any mind. players like that? I have one name in mind. Okay. Well, I mean, I can give you the best. I have, actually have one other name from Kane, and I'm, I don't know if it'll be the same, but I'm curious just where, at, at some point, is there, are there players who just get enough decisives regularly 
that they become usable even if their AA is bad? In super rare and unique divisions, yes. In rare pro divisions, no. Okay. I Which mean, obviously means definitely not in rare or limited. What? Which, and if they're, if you're saying, if you're hesitating and then saying no in rare pro, then the answer is obviously not in rare and limited. Correct. There's one name I have in mind that I need to, to check and then you can give me yours. So what, I mean, I think there's one name I have in mind and I will see what you say and then I will, and I'm not even sure on this one. No, yeah, there, I don't think, I, I think there's one name I have in mind. And it's, it's like flimsy, maybe two. I mean, Holland, you could play in in a rare pro when like City's like a four goal favorite. Like, I think you can do Which it. Which happens a lot. And he, you just have to hope he gets brace and doesn't have BCMs for days. Um, there's one other name I have in mind. Did you have, who was the other name you had first? Luke De Jong. Yeah, De Jong's a good one. I think the other one I had in mind was Mario Icardi. Okay. Let's see how he's been with these guys. Yeah, I only care about his games with Galatas, right? And like, he's got some hundreds, he's got some pop in him. It's possible. I will say, so here's my here's my sort of take with it, is that I only realistically am interested in doing it in stacks of some sort, like I, or like, or they're just such huge favorites. If a player is a huge favorite, where they're like a five goal favorite. I will consider it like in like international play, for example, like there's, there's going to be times international play where team where guys like this are such huge favorites, like not these guys specifically, but like guys like this um, blue tomato said Petrovic scores seem better than a Cardi's. So you bring up, let me, before we go to Petrovic. So Icardi you were like, yeah, he's got two hundreds. Those are his only scores over eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said like I'm not super interested in playing guys like this in in like a rare pro lineup. In in like on like okay, let me rephrase this question. Let me rephrase this again. I'm not that interested in playing guys like this in like a rare pro lineup on the weekend. Midweeks is different because midweeks you might not need the scores you need otherwise. Saul is a good example. Yeah, he's a good example. I was talking to him with Gator guy about him the other day. I was like, not a card I would want. He brought it up. Yeah. So here's another one. He has he has one 100 other than a Cardi's two, and neither of them have a score in the 90s. No. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. So you don't consider this a usable card? It's a usable card, but it's not like a card I'm fist pumping. Like, it's a usable card. It's a usable mm-hmm. card. They're usable cards. Like, they're usable cards. People are probably going to be like, oh, my God, you guys are whales if you're not considering these guys. Um, they're usable cards, but I'm not, like, fist. Like, I'd much rather play, like, Tadich-type cards that are going to get me 25 AA, and I just need to get one decisive than playing guys like this. A lot of the time. I mean, Salah is outscoring Tadich. Lately, I mean, the cottage that we that we all 
my point, know and love my point stands. But Tadich has, yeah, Tadich hasn't been the best. To be fair, he's he's been good. He's been good for Fenerbahce. But like, again, like you just part part of the thing with with Tadish so far is like he hasn't quite got that second decisive. Right, like all those games are one decisive. If you get one more, and you're pushing like 95 every single time. Whereas like, whereas like Petkovic, Akari, Holland, these guys are getting like two decisives in like 72. Right. Yeah. But so I, I'm not saying that these are like unused. I think they're less usable in like All Star rare and All All Star limited. I don't I don't know if they can really cut it unless they're rip hundreds. But like these guys, like you're playing you. Like Holland in a game where they're a five goal favorite can hit a hundred. Like it's not unreasonable. He gets a hat trick and has like 15 AA. Like it's totally reasonable. Not sure it is actually. You know what his problem is though, is that in the situations when he does have that AA, like where he should have 12 AA, he probably has like three big chances missing. He just kills it. Well, the issue is his head. They get so many BCMs for like missed headers or something. And he's, good in the air right which is the issue actually here's a question i asked there another one over the l15 don't don't go look yet l15 forwards who is the best forward and what is their AA? period like total l15 is it not messy no oh it wasn't Uh... messy before this weekend Greetsman? Nope. He's in this game on your screen. Oh, Alvarez. Nope. Oh, I was going to say Alvarez has been absolutely incredible. Uh, is it Doku? Doku. Yeah, he but has, he, he hasn't played enough. Get out of here. No, no, he, he has. It, it only counts. It, he has, and he had four subs layered, and he still had the best AA. His L15 with those subs had the best AA. Go go to go. But to it's Rams. only it's only like three games with Man City, five games with Man City, right? Does that matter? Well, you're counting. Yeah, you're counting his. <laughs> of course, it matters. Maybe he's gone to a better team where he's going to have better AA in theory. I'm just saying you're you're literally including games where he had twenty and third, f- almost forty AA with Ren. Like he doesn't no, play for in this theory, team. He should have in theory long term. He'll be better at at City than he was at Ren. Well, it's yes. not like his AA has yes. been bad at Man City. In theory, City, long term, he will. You were asking Larry, me. Like, it's not like his AA has been bad at Man City. Scroll down. Scroll down. Oh, you're telling me that AA sucks, Laird? That AA is better than what his average is. Right. You were telling. You were asking me like the best in the game, and this is like L15, and five of these games count. I, I wouldn't. Okay, fine. So he's better than his L15. That is better than what his L15 is. Go to the go to the player rankings page, Laird. Yeah, I, I think that that was a uh, that was a poor question. I don't think it was a poor question. Obviously, you asked it. Yeah. It, so L15 AA forward. So like before the weekend, it was Doku was first. And it was like 19.6. You just told me the only games that matter are city games. His city games are better than his L15. So then and he's, he's not even first. He was? Um, I'll I'm, have I'm, to... I'm sorry, Roger gets a dumbass red card, so he can't retain first place, Laird. <sighs> It killed Alvarez too. Magnus, is, is this actually true? Magnus says Holland has 22 BCMs in his L15. Oh, I thought he said L5. Never mind. 22 in his L15. I definitely buy it. For sure has that many in his L15. Like, no doubt. You don't even have to look. Like, there's no doubt he has 22 in his L15. 
that's what kills him though is like he just gets so many BC, or bcms yeah i do love all the people who are like yeah but that means he's like you know getting good chances and it's like yeah well he's gonna well that's created we don't want that 17 and 15 in the prem yeah which i mean is true like i mean it is true he just has constant amount of big chances it's just like nine in his last five yeah <laughs> darwin nunez baby what? In 197 minutes for Darwin, 449 minutes for Haaland. And yeah. Well, if there's one thing Darwin's known for, it's missing. The guy loves a good chance missed. Kubusaki said, I always knew Haaland was a fraud. <laughs> no, he's he's obviously great, but it's uh, it was one of those things. If you're in constant good, good spots, you're going to miss some of them. You just can't convert everything at 100% clip. It doesn't matter what you do. But yeah, I'm definitely, uh, definitely not, uh, th those cards are usable though. I mean, back to the point, like those cards are usable in rare pro lives, but like the only way you are playing those cards is in a rare pro life is if they are monster favorites. I think. Yeah. So I guess the real question was like, how many of those guys are there? And the answer realistically is like five. That might've been it. <laughs> like, we I say think it's like that and then like Oshiman. Well, Lewandowski, I think you have to put in there. Lewandowski. Yeah. Um, let's just go by, or actually, we should probably do the decisive scores. Yeah. Hallen, it used to be Kane, but like, well, I guess it's still Kane. It's still Kane, but I mean, I think he has more AA in his game too now. He like, he just like, he can set up people as well. And people typically so, the guy things are shooting so i know this is going to sound really dumb as if i'm just like trying to say that kane is not good but the reason he the reason everyone loved him at Bayern with the goals and assists like expecting so many the aa comes from the fact that he's also getting shots on target and attempted assists no like it's like, his... yeah it's more the attempted assist than anything right else. Like those wingers like to sh to chuck, they? and also it's not even just that too. It's like he sets up people on the doorstep for a big chance, and it doesn't really matter if it goes in or not. So like I, I don't think people also understand this too. Is like if you get a decisive, which Kane gets almost every game, right? The second decisive doesn't matter as much. If you get a BC, if you get a BCC, that's like half a decisive anyways. Because it's literally five points. A BCC is, is like it's over five points. Big chance created is two plus three plus like final third pass. Like it's like 5.2 points. So like if the guy comes in and misses a big chance, like it doesn't matter as long as you already have a decisive, like you get like mm -hmm. half the points anyways for it. Actually, you kind of prefer if you don't have the other guy. Like I would much rather, if, no. if I have Kane, I would much rather him get a decisive and then just have a bunch of BCCs where everyone misses it over and over again. And right, everyone else. You don't have those guys to. Yeah, if I don't have those guys. Although I did buy a Sane Super Series. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just looking at the top, like the AA, and obviously like Kane's w includes his time at Bayern. But even though the last five, like his AA is 8.6. Haaland is 0.9. Yeah, Jeez. it's it's <laughs> quite bad. Not, I don't think it's Kai Havertz bad, but it's pretty bad. Messi's at 0.6, but he only played one game and he played yeah, like that doesn't 12 even minutes. Yeah, like it's not like Haaland's much above 0.9 after if you go into L15 or L40. Right. 
Right. Yeah, Blue Tomato said Sonny looks so much better since Kane arrived. That is why I bought him. Also, the whole like playing in games thing has been helpful for him. Yeah, playing definitely is better than not playing. I'll give you that one uh, for sure. Yeah, but like I, I figured that was a decent ad considering I have Kimmich and Harry Kane, and I don't have a super rare. So I was like, yeah, it feels like a decent card to have in certain situations. I still need a good defender super rare. I need to figure out who I should buy. Maybe I'll go take my own advice and buy Grimaldo. There you go. Yeah, and just like if you notice how few of these guys, and again, this is just all forwards listed by their decisive L40, but how few have close to double-digit AA. Salah is close, though, at 9.3. Yeah. But like he's... Mbappe, Messi, Malcolm, and then you just keep scrolling. Cucho somehow... Cucho's A is crazy with like z literally zero set pieces. Yeah, I mean he's been really good. They're off. They're, they're, their style is just really favorable. Like I mean he's been really good. Cucho's been really good. I yeah. like Cucho a lot right now. I actually here I will I will admit being wrong about something. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! It's whoa. the Gator guy actually since he was here too. But Gator guy was like just all about Cucho last year. He's just like, Cucho's the, the greatest. He's going to destroy the MLS. He's going to put up shit. And I just looked at him and just like, I just do not see where you're going to get the AA from. He's like mediocre as shit. And I was incorrect. Cucho's been very good from an AA uh, standpoint. But Keith, Keith was too big of a, a loser to go and, and buy one anyway. So it didn't matter. I thought he had one. I don't think so. If he did, he bought one late. But I, well, it was about, I'm like, what? Another part of the thing was he's like, I'm going to go buy a Kucho rare. I'm like, why the hell are you buying a rare? Buy a super. If you actually think he's going to be that good, buy his super. The rare just is not impactful to you. Yeah. Just go buy his super rares. I mean, looks yeah, like he bought one in October. It wasn't that much. Like, he's still not that much. Yeah. Like, he bought one in October. Last what do you think Kucho super rare is right now? I don't know. I sold his rare. A while what ago. am I, what am I admitting, Keith? It looks like you look at that green dot is actually a good green dot for you for a change. For for once, yeah. yeah except except the green dots that came after I sold it are all here. Yep, it's unfortunate. Yeah. So like, I mean, football coops paid one point five a week ago. Before that, he's going like you could have bought a Kucha super for like one ETH a month ago. Someone did. RB. I think I was in that auction. Check that auction. I'm assuming that I will have had a bid in there at some point. Well, you are like first bid on everything, but no, uh, yeah, that's all. You bid yeah, fifty. You weren't willing to go above fifty-eight dollars. Yeah, that was my limit. He, my limit got surpassed pretty easy. Yeah, uh, he's had Keith has had a Cucho all season apparently. I'm gonna yeah. doubt that. He bought it last October. Did he? Yeah. Did he? Yeah, this one right here, October twenty-sixth, twenty twenty-two. Yeah, see, Keith should have bought the super exactly. He won see? some nice rewards. Even when even when I'm wrong, Keith, I'm still right. You know, that's just how it comes back circle life, right? Even when I was wrong, I still was right. Said <laughs> go buy the super. See again, guys, spend more money. The motto of the story. Right. If you're on a limited budget and you need to play Cap Two Forty, just spend more money and play everything else. Just go get it. I think Scosmo asked questions about unique earlier, but I don't remember what he asked. Um, uh, Scosmo, what was the question you had about the unique threshold with Cap two Cap two eighty or Cap whatever the whatever it is anymore? Stuff's changed. Like, what is this like the fifth iteration of stuff that we've had now? 
It's a lot. I uh, Blue Tomatoes asked, most likely hard to say after one game week, but is it harder or easier to hit threshold after the update? It should be easier. Like, it should be, like, in the vacuum the same, but it should be easier because if you actually get correct the captain choice, which in theory you should be better at choosing that, it's easier. Yep. Um, so it should be easier, but if you suck at choosing captains, then it's going to be harder. Uh, on the topic of cap, thoughts on the collection bonus being one of the driving factors to increase the threshold score required 280 without acknowledging the difficulty to build in super uniques. That might have been part of their whole thought process is that it's harder for you to build collection scores and overall um, bonus XP in the unique and super rare areas. Like, because they want you to hit those less often than they do the rares and the, the limiteds. Maybe. It's true. I mean, it's more difficult to hit those. For sure. Because but you're going to have like five to 10 points less on average because of the bonuses. Yes, but I think most people are still not really taking advantage of collection bonuses, even in rare. Like they're playing cap 240 teams and that maybe they have a 1% collection bonus on each card. Yeah. Which you can get a lot on super, like one of 10 super rares are not that hard to get. And like yeah. that immediately has a 1% on it. Wow. Lair just calling me out for not working my collection bonuses up. Oh, I don't do it. Like I don't, I don't play like guys in cap 240 just because they have like a high collection bonus. I think people are, I don't think we're, we're taking advantage of that enough. Yeah, because I don't think enough people are play like, I think a lot of people are, if you're building a collection, it doesn't end up being so that you can play those cards in cap 240. Yeah. Like some of it helps. Absolutely. But that's why I, I was saying using a collection in 240 is a reasonable strategy if you're like moving up to it. I mean, I am the top collector in many collections, Laird. Did you know that? Um, no. I am the number one Consadole Sapporo unique collector. Oh, I mean, do you I'm the number one Yokohama Marinos collector in uniques for three separate seasons, Laird. What is the, I'm actually looking now. So the highest you have is 3% from a collection. I've never done it. Uh, well, you're looking that up. So Ali asked, do you guys trust Galatasaray stack? I mean, I'm fine with the Galatasaray stack. I literally won a division with it. I think I'm the only person with the Galatasaray stack that has won a division with the Galatasaray stack uh, thus far. Um, but I think they're they're playing a lot of games in the upcoming like month. They play a lot of games. So like there's going to be random rotation where guys don't start. Uh, so it definitely is going to be tricky. No, Blue Tomatoes have asked, have they offered me tickets to any of these games yet? No, I have not gotten offered any tickets. And I am like the top collector in many different teams. And I've not, I like gank. I'm like the top collector in like five different spots, and nobody's offered me tickets. Sad. Very you're, sad. you're like fake top collector. No, Laird, you're just being disrespectful to super rare and uniques. Is what is what's happening right now. Actually, I'm not. I'm the second biggest collector in the 2021-22 gank. Third biggest collector in the 2020 and 21 gank. Here you go. So this, yeah. So your first here with three cards, your first AC Milan with four. So you didn't even talk about AC Milan. And that's the one you have most cards. With. I'm yeah. Where is my private jet ride with AC Milan? Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
I'm waiting. Here's your for. super rare Columbus Crew collection. Who do you yeah, have? Yeah, like look at this Mensa, Arthur, and Zardis. <laughs> what is the Mensa? Is Mensa like a Jersey man or something? Uh, I don't know, but that's phenomenal that that's the. Uh, yeah. He's a one of ten. I did the number one Columbus Crew person. Like, uh, Blue Tomatoes asked, "Would you attend a support match?" I would attend a boatload of matches if situations presented themselves for me to do so. And I think you would agree with that. Like, you know me well enough that if like it was a situation where I could make something happen to go to games, I I go to games, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, like I like going to games. Yeah, I'm sure if they would fly you to Japan, you would do it. Yeah, like if I got flown to Japan to go to games, I would do it. Or if I was going to Japan and I was going to be there, I would have it. Jonathan asked how much did that blend cost? Probably a sad amount, but not a sad amount as the superer that I purchased of blend. And Scosmo said, seems counterproductive to the mantra of encouraging progression and incentivizing moving up. Well, Scosmo, they haven't incentivized either of those things in the entirety of us being on the platform, at least up to the super rare and unique levels. So that's not shocking. No, yeah, Jonathan, one of the things I like to do when I leave the house is go to sporting events. That is like one of, there's like three things I like to do when leaving the house. Larry, can you guess the, all three of them? Going to a sporting event, getting something to eat. I don't want to count you just opening the door to let your dogs out. But no, no, that's no. What I'm, gonna say is I'm not going to count it. There's, there's a legit third that I really enjoy doing. You might not know it because I, I really don't do it anymore because I don't have time. But there's one other thing that I really enjoy doing a lot that is outside the house. I got nothing. My wife would get this, Laird. I got nothing. My wife would get this. She would. Know. I literally can't think of a third thing. What do I like to do? You like to that? stay home. That's the whole. Point. Yeah. So, like, when I'm staying home, though, what are some things that I enjoy, Laird? Watching the sports that you would watch in person. Okay. What's another thing that I do? Play so rare. Yeah. Zarchi's wrong about this. It's definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think she would. She would guess that one. <laughs> she wouldn't guess that one. I'm. I'm confident in that one. My my wife is now asking. Let me see. I'll I'll yell at her one second. Yeah, I'm, I I have a feeling that the, it's going to come out. And she she guessed it. She said going to movies. I really enjoy going to the movies. Yeah, I don't think I would have guessed that. Ever. No, I, I don't think that you probably knew that about me. Yeah, no. Yeah. I I love going to the movies. Going to the movies. So this is. Going to the movies for me is like the one time where I can just like not look at my phone at all. And I just sit there and watch the movie and enjoy it. Yeah. So I, I totally get that. I don't ever go to the movies myself, but you're just, <laughs> you're just sitting and watching TV somewhere else. Yeah. That's why, that's why I was trying to get you to guess. That's why uh, Blue Tomato said you watch Barbie. I will probably watch it at some point, but I did not see uh, Glenn ask top three films so i i don't want to do something like that because there's so many different genres and it really just depends what you're interested in at the time right like it depends what your mood is and if you catch the movie on the right day at the right time and it's like exactly what you wanted to watch that nothing feels better okay last question and then we're done here what do you eat during a movie at the movie theaters well sometimes that changes surprisingly i, I like sometimes it's nothing like sometimes it's nothing. Wow. Um, 
sometimes it is popcorn and a cherry Coke. You probably could have guessed the drink. You've seen yeah. me. Uh, and then the other thing is sometimes nachos and a cherry Coke. Although, okay. although sometimes when you're in bigger cities and like they have those like really nice recliner seat movie theaters, sometimes I will eat lunch there. It's funny you yeah, say that. Kev said was going to guess the movies, leaving the house to stay indoors elsewhere. Facts. Yeah. 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 Cherry Coke is the only, so like I only pretty much drink two beverages and that is cherry Coke and water. Those are like the only two things I drink. Like I will also drink orange juice occasionally. And I will also drink like Gatorade or some sort of drink like that occasionally. But like on a day-to-day basis, like you could go a month and I will only have drank water or Cherry Coke. Uh, Johanathan asked about um, ice cream. I don't really do ice cream at the movies. I just oh, that's what I was gonna say. The I don't find many things more uncomfortable is not the right word, but I cannot stand trying to eat in like a recliner. Like the oh, idea right. of yeah, it's I'm I am like all out so, on that. So when I was younger, Laird, I used to do like triple features. I would legit go to the theater for eight hours and time stuff that I would literally watch three different movies at the theater. Yeah. yeah. Back back in my younger years. Yeah. Nowadays, I don't have time for that. I, no, I'm, lucky yeah, I get, time for that. I'm lucky if I get to the movies like once every three months. Like it's just not uh, not feasible anymore. But uh, but yeah, it's, I the movies are... It's like the only relaxing spot for me in life. I can't, literally cannot think of the last movie I saw in the theater. Yeah, but like, so here's the thing. You're old and don't, my dad doesn't like movies either. So like you and my dad are pretty similar. It, it actually has nothing to do with not liking them. I just, it's, it's just never anywhere close to my list of like, hey, what should we do today? And I'm like, let's go see a movie. It's literally, oh, here's, here's a pet peeve of mine. And you're going to definitely be like, yeah, I can see that. I just, and you actually know this from sporting events. I hate, and this is also, this is a hashtag fat guy problem. I hate sitting next to someone. I want a seat in between me and someone else at all times. My wife hates it because we go to the movie and I'm like, she sits next to me. I'm like, like the middle and it's perfect because then if we get popcorn, the popcorn goes in the middle seat and we both easily have access to the popcorn. Are you, do you, uh, I was going to say, do you make her sit so that you can go right hand into the popcorn instead of left hand? Cause I think you're right-handed, right? I am, but I don't care about that, but I sit on the aisle because I go pee a lot. Well, that's how I was going to say, but the aisle yeah, usually, yeah. But I go pee a lot. You know that I pee a lot. Like in the middle of a movie, you'll go. I, I can't help it. I just, I might, I pee so much. When I was young, don't drink so much damn cherry coke before, during no, the movie. No, no, I just I drink a lot of water. Here. Like I, I chug water, so like I pee a shitload. But like when I was younger, it's actually when I was when I was young, I went to Florida once, and I don't think I got out of the car. Like for the entire drive to Florida, which was like twenty hours, I don't think I left the car. Nowadays, like I can't go like more than an hour, hour and a half without peeing. Hmm. That's good. See, I, all yeah, like sporting events, like I despise sitting next to people i want to have an empty seat at all times 
and it pisses me off if there are plenty of seats and someone sits directly next to me. Germ apparently is on team diaper. For... No, see, Germ, I, I just can't do it. What I am a big, like, you should not ever be on your cell phone in a theater. I get that. Like, you should not be on a cell phone in a theater, but I can't help. I, I typically, because I like watching movies so much and I've been such a movie person my whole life, I have pretty good ideas of, like, when a good time in the movie is to go to the bathroom. And I try to time my bathrooms during those. And then you see me like speed walk to the bathroom because. Yeah. You want to get back. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But like, yes, sporting events, like, well, also to be fair, like no one wants to sit next to me either at a sporting event. Like you do not want to sit squished in next to me at a sporting event. Like same ways. I don't want to be sitting next to you at a sporting event. Like I I need to have room to breathe. You know, you like, like a good sporting event that doesn't have many people there. I have gone to plenty of sporting events with you that have not had many people there. Like we were at we were at the we were at the All Star Game in DC this year, and it was like 150 degrees. Were you sitting next to me? No. Who sat next to me at the? Uh, I was not, on the aisle. No, I sat next to you for the actual All Star Game. I sat on the aisle for the All Star no, Game. You might have sat next to Larry. I sat next to Larry. Yeah, well, which that makes sense because Larry's like. That's easy. Yeah, you may as well have nobody next to you. Next to you. Who did I sit next to in the skills competition? Did I sit next to you in the skills comp? No, you sat on the end, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. Of course. Yeah. But who did I, I think sit you next said... to? Who did you Keith, who did, did you I sit next to oh, with in Al. order to not get convince that guy to sign up to so rare? Yeah, but who did I sit by? Was it was it Keith or Alex or I don't remember who I sat next to? It was probably Alex, yeah. Yeah. But like whatever it was, neither of them stopped you from saying, Hey, do you love crypto? And just Fully but anyway, like, I sat on the aisle and then the next person was like looking at the seat next to me. I'm like, no, move down. Yeah. Zarky, where did I sit at the All-Star game? Oh, Zarky, aisle? Zarky will yeah. tell you where I sat at the All-Star game. Sat on the aisle. Zarky yeah. was in the middle. Or Alex was in the middle. One of the two. I, don't, I think it was Zarky was in the middle, though. But Zarky's smaller than Alex, so him being in the middle makes the most sense. Here's here's a question for you, Laird. Well, actually, you don't go any, like, you don't fly with your family, do you? Not recently, no. Okay, because I was going to say, what is the, do you ever fly with your wife? Yes. How tall is your wife? Five, four. Okay, so if you got, how do you guys sit on a plane? If you're flying in a three seat thing? Um, we The last time we flew, it was aisle middle, but I think we would just do aisle aisle next time. Yeah, okay. So, but what, when it was aisle middle, how did you sit? Oh, I sat on the aisle. Yeah, so we used to have, yeah. my wife's like, well, what, are we going to rotate this? I'm like, absolutely not. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to sit the aisle every time. But I told her, this is how it goes. So I said, I'm like, when I'm buying the tickets, I'm like, I'm perfectly fine sitting aisle, aisle. So like, I'm perfectly fine with me on the aisle, her on the other aisle. It, honestly, it makes the most sense because you can look over and not talk over someone and not be jammed and talk to someone. But, so uh, we have like completely fallen off the rails here. I worked. think- Aisle aisle makes sense because I just don't feel like two people having a conversation on an airplane for however long you're on it is even reasonable. It's rude and nobody wants to hear it. So I, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, also people, I have a specific, um, my wife just texted me about her mentions on the show today. Um, so anyway, I had to teach her, I had to teach her airplane etiquette for Southwest Airlines before. And I also have taught you this etiquette. And what did this situation result in when we flew 
So for those for those that are unaware, since we have a lot of European listeners here that probably haven't flown Southwest, Southwest oh. Airlines is pick your own seat. So you select where you want to sit. The keys are there's two. Well, there's like three keys. Key number one: find out how full the flight is. If the flight's going to be jam packed, then you're just kind of screwed anyways. It doesn't matter. If they're like, oh, it's like eighty percent full. What you do is you go to the back of the plane, like five rows up from the bathroom, you sit on an aisle and you leave a middle seat open. And then you do not make eye contact with anybody coming down the row because most likely no one's going to ask you to move. They'll just pick another seat. Also, if you are a large individual like myself, you just sit there and look as large as possible and make like look like be like, oh my God, this is going to be so, and just hope that people don't sit there. I, I went. Uh, this is such a great line from Germ South with Airlines, like the mystery jersey drop on. So I once went to LA, Laird. It was like a six hour flight, but I, we booked the tickets like two days in advance. It was like last minute. And I had to sit middle. And I was just like, this is going to be so terrible. And I start walking down the row and I see the row I'm in. And I was the smallest guy in the three person row. And I had the middle seat and we all just made eye contact and we're all just like, oh man, this is awful. Worst, worst six hour flight of my life. Oof. But yeah, there's definite, there's definite etiquettes that, uh, another one, we, my wife and I actually got into a fight once, one of our first fights, definitely she was being ridiculous. She'll, she'll agree nowadays about it. But, um, so as we talked about previously on the show, I pee a lot. So the last when they start calling people to go on the plane, like, I don't want to go sit on the plane. Like, why would I want to go sit on the plane and be jammed in like a sardine? So I go to the bathroom right before I get on the plane. So like, if I'm like in like group five, when they call group one, I go to the bathroom. So we were on our way back from like a wedding somewhere. This was like early in our relationship, like one or two, one to two years into our relationship or something. And they start calling my, my wife has like some anxiety, especially in that type of situation. And I'm like, I'm going to go pee. And she's like, what, how are you? No, no, you know, you're going to miss the flight. I'm like, I'm going to go pee because otherwise I'm going to have to go pee as soon as the, I'm like, I'm going to pee my pants as the flight takes off. So she was like eating beef jerky and she gets up and just throws it down and storms off. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to still go pee. <laughs> to go pee. And then we come, I come back and she's like nowhere to be found. She like went and hit around a corner. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, we almost missed the flight now because we're literally the last people on it. She's like, well, you had to go pee. I'm like, I, I have to go pee. But nowadays, nowadays, she's like, she sits there and she knows when I'm going to go pee. And she just tries to go pee right before I go pee. And then I go to the bathroom. It's not where I thought this was ending up today. Yeah. Not Good talk. Way. Good talk. Yeah. Some people I'm sure are going to hate it, but other people are going to like it. That's all that matters. I am going to uh, reply with Yohanatan. I will say that if I fly alone, if it's a longer flight, I will sit on the window. So for me, no, I prefer the, the, the Yeah, there's aisle. never, I can't imagine there's ever a situation where you want the aisle, excuse me, that you want the window other than like first class. Yeah, if I'm first class, I don't really care. Or like business, I don't, if there's like two, I don't really care. But so the reason is, is because I also like my knee bothers me. So like my left knee bothers me. So I always try to sit right side aisle so that I can put my leg into the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. 
<laughs> Blue Tomatoes just said that was sober. Andrews with Sean. Yeah. <laughs> and Quinny shows up here at the desk. Pretty accurate. Thank you to everybody for joining. If you could please like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Shout out to Quinny who is here. Uh, all of that is very appreciated. We've got a little bit of a schedule adjustment this week, but most importantly, Thursday, for anyone who is interested in NBA and MLB, uh, I am having a discussion with Kate Schrumpf, who is the director of product, who oversees NBA and MLB. And we've got a bunch of questions that people have asked on Twitter. So thank you, everybody, who has sent those in. And I have a bunch of questions that I want to ask. And it sounds like we should be getting some sort of update this week. So there's that. Should be good. But anyway, thank you, everybody, for joining. And we'll see you around.